What's good, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Amatelica TIS podcast. With your host, yours surely, Jai Shields, here on this Friday, the weekend of Friday, November the 12th, the year 2021. Got lots to do, lots to talk about here on this weekend program. Preview week 10 of the National Football League and the marquee matchups that will take place come Sunday afternoon. I'll give you my week 10 picks again to spread. Get into a little bit of college football as the CFP rankings came out earlier this week. Give you my two cents on that. Didn't have a chance to address it during Wednesday's show. We also got plenty of NFL news to get to with Odell Beckham Jr. being a, is now a Los Angeles Ram and Cam Newton coming home to the Carolina Panthers. Uh, as we got lots to do, lots to talk about within just within the sport of football in and of itself, with the majority of it being NFL related, and then of course where we begin to start out the program is with the Baltimore Ravens losing uh, on Thursday night football uh, last night by the, to the Miami Dolphins by the final score of twenty-two to ten. Uh, first off, you know, if you watch the if you watch the game, which I'm not sure what the ratings uh, for this uh, for last night's game was, but if you watched it and you stuck with it, God bless you, because uh, the Ravens Dolphins game last night was the first game was the first game this NFL season with more punts than points scored through three through three quarters of action. Both teams combined for 14 punts, and they combined for three points throughout the first three quarters of the game. The halftime score was 6-3 six, was six, Miami. Three field goals kicked in the game. And they were only, and they were only what? Uh, two offensive touchdowns scored in the game. One from Baltimore, one from Miami, and one defensive touchdown. Of course, that ended up being the turning point in the game, which we'll get to in a little bit. Um, listen, from a uh, we'll do the Miami, we'll do the Dolphins' perspective first because it's quick, simple, get it out the way, and I can harp on the Ravens. Uh, you know, as the segment uh, as the segment continues, from a Miami Dolphins standpoint. Uh, listen, you heard, if you heard, uh, Daniel Oyefuse of the Miami Herald who came on this show on Wednesday and said, hey, you know, the Miami's going to play Baltimore tough. Miami's going to be competitive in this game. They're going to make, you know, they're going to make, uh, they're going to make Lamar Jackson and the Ravens offense lives a living health to begin the game. He said that he expected them to fade a little bit because, again, the Ravens were six and two heading into this game. The Miami Dolphins were two and seven, winning, you know, come what four or five days after they won their first game, first home game of the year, and first. First uh, and first game in general since week one uh, in early September up at uh, Foxborough, but he he anticipated the Dolphins were going to play the Ravens close, and you know no, and you knew that Tua was going to be if Tua and I've, and I'm not the only one that said this, and again and like I told like I've told you guys and like I told Daniel, you know I love Brian Flores as much as the next guy, but you know if if Tua Tagovailoa is good enough. To coming in relief in the second half when Jacoby Brissett has a bum knee, 
Uh, if he's good enough and good enough to be available to come off the bench, a la what Ryan Fitzpatrick did to him last season, if he's good enough to come off the bench in relief, how come he isn't good enough to start? And 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 my sister Zoe, who all of a sudden is a big diehard Ravens fan now, you know, she said to me after that game was over, she said, if Jacoby Brissett didn't wouldn't have gotten injured, Ravens would have won that football game, and. Yes and no. There is a little bit of truth to that because, you know, Jacoby Brissett, uh, 8 of 13, 158 yards passing. Now, I'm not trying to make, uh, or excuse me, that was two of stat line. Brissett was 11 of 23 for 156 yard passing, and he got sacked twice. And if you care about QBR, it was at 14.4. So I'm not trying to make Tua out to be, you know, Dan Marino, but. But the Miami offense had little to had no life with Jacoby Brissett behind center. Where they get big plays here and there to set themselves up into into field goal position, yes. But but they had but they had no life. They had no juice when they had Jacoby Brissett out there. Jacoby Brissett uh, hurts his hurts his knee on a sack late in the second half, and all of a sudden enter Tua. And, you know, the crowd was re-energized. I'm pretty sure that team was re-energized on the sideline. And I know for a fact that the, that his offensive counterparts out there on the field are re-energized because Tua made, made some excellent passes when the Dolphins needed it most, i.e. on the Dolphins' uh, final offensive drive of the game to put the game away. This is coming off of the Ravens' first touchdown of the night with a wide-open mark. And the, the Dolphins' defense must have either heard a whistle or something because they, because midway through the play, they stopped as if the play was blown dead. And then one of the most anticlimactic touchdowns to make it get to to uh, to tighten the margin of a game late in the fourth quarter you're ever going to see. The Dolphins' defense, you know, goes into the regular formation. The ball is snapped. They're moving and moving. And all of the, out of the clear blue sky, they just stop moving. And, and Lamar Jackson finds a wide open Mark Andrews to score the touchdown which made it uh which made it what uh, do the math Jai uh, take away the uh take away the seven from the uh from the 22 that was uh what, what the hell is what the hell what the hell was the score um shit excuse me oh my goodness uh it was what uh, 16 to 10 that's what it was there you go it was six it was 16 to 10. Uh, Miami versus uh, <laughs> Miami versus Baltimore. I'm having freaking brain fog over here, but you know, the, but Tua and but getting back to Tua, he made the plays that he needed to make. That was an excellent, excellent throw and catch that Tua and the Dolphins offense uh, uh, executed on the Dolphins' final offensive drive where they got that, I believe, Wilson, who had that big 60-plus yard catch and run down the left sideline. That essentially was the coup de grace to any chance of the Ravens once again, one more time, pulling a victory out of their hind parts and uh, pulling a victory out of their hind parts and beating their opponent in the final closing seconds of the game. Um, I don't know. I have no idea. I mean, the Ravens' defense, albeit they only gave up one offensive touchdown that night, and the Andrews touchdown made it made it fifteen made it fifteen to uh, made it fifteen to ten, not sixteen ten. I apologize. Uh, but I mean, it's just uh, the Ravens' defense was just completely lost, lost all night. 
uh, and the play to Wilson on that second and ten with three twenty-four left in the fourth quarter, with uh, with the Ravens having all three of their timeouts to work with, plus the two-minute warning down five. Where if they hold, where if at the worst you hold Miami to a field goal, you're only down by eight. You let them score a touchdown, the game's out of reach. Or if you for, or if you force another three and out like they did nine million times throughout the sequence of that football game. You know, head, heading into the Dolphins' final offensive drive, they had not scored yet offensively via touchdown. So, but I have no idea what the hell Chuck Clark and the, and the Ravens' secondary, who there was many a moments of that game where they had no idea what the heck they were doing. They, they missed assignments, miscommunication, and uh, and they let Wilson the second uh, number two. They had just on a wheel route run down, get wide open down the left sideline, which in that was in essence put the game put the game away from Miami and put the Dolphins in full control from there on out. But the Ravens' secondary, Chuck Clark again, no idea what what the uh, what the plan and what the and what the play call was on that play. Just absolutely atrocious defense. Uh, from the Ravens again, even though they only allowed, uh, even though they only allowed, uh, what they kicked uh, two field goals and a touch. Even though they only allowed about maybe maybe thirteen. No, wait, you take away the they allowed about sixteen ish points, fifteen sixteen offensive points, of roughly thereabouts. It was not a good night at the office. For the for the Raven for the Raven defense because they gave up the big play they gave up the big play too much and when your offense for whatever the reason we'll get to them in a minute uh, for when your offense is stagnant can't score uh, you got Greg Roman calling freaking wide receiver screens every single freaking third and long every single third and long Greg Roman is calling the wide receiver screen pattern I mean Greg 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 please. Please, it's it's you were pathetic, pathetic on third and on third down all night. You were two of fourteen for third down, and you went a stretch where you went zero for ten. You were absolutely pathetic on third down last night. Can you maybe open up the play sheet a little bit instead of calling this this high school this this high school esque offense that you, that that you run? Please, could you do that? Where you know, uh, where allowing on your receivers uh, yard after catch, and allowing on your receivers to essentially outrun the defenders and let the and let the wide receivers do all the dirty work. I mean, how many wide receiver screens he must have caught? He must have called about a dozen of them every single time he turned around. It's Greg Roman third down wide receiver screen. I'm like, am I watching the Ravens or am I watching the Pittsburgh Steelers? I mean, what, what what's what's going on here? Very, very disappointing. Another thing, if you're a Ravens fan, that also bothers you is that why is it why is it that the Ravens waited until their final offensive possession of the game, where they had like a slither of hope of winning? The, you know, the chances of of the Ravens winning that game was probably less than five percent. Why did they wait until the, until the eleventh hour, literally, to to finally diversify their play calling? Open up the playbook, and you know, and Lamar Jackson will hit Mark Andrews. Will hit uh, Rashad Bateman, who's going to be a hell of a wide receiver, by the way. We'll hit up Rashad Bateman. Now we'll start to spread the wealth around. Yet for yet for fifty eight minutes, all we did what all we did was fart around and screw around with throwing the ball to Hollywood Brown fifteen thousand times. 
that they waited until the 11th hour when they were like, oh, crap, we're about to lose this game. Well, we got to all of a sudden diversify the offense and diversify the play calling and make sure that Lamar Jackson spreads the wealth around in the passing game. I mean, Hollywood Brown was targeted 13 times. 13 times. Only caught six receptions. Only got six receptions. How many times did I look at Hollywood Brown drop a key pass on uh, drop a key pass on third down? How many times? How many times did I look at Hollywood Brown? You know, when the when with the Ravens in plus territory with an opportunity to finish off a drive with a touchdown? How many times did I look at Hollywood Brown drop a pass? Now he's no scrub. He has talent and he has his moments. Where he, you know, my sister told me, well, asked me the question, was Hollywood Brown a top 10 wide receiver? She asked me this, ironically enough, about a, earlier this week. Is Hollywood Brown, I think she asked me this Sunday, is how, during the Viking game, is Hollywood Brown the top five or top five, top 10 wide receivers in football? I thought about it. I was like, eh, no, no, he's not. No. I mean, and I said, to be nice, to be nice, and to be cordial, maybe, maybe top 15. But especially after that performance I saw last night, hell, he ain't even top fifteen. He'd be lucky to cl- to correct the, to crack the whatever the hell that little stammering stuttering was. He'd be lucky to crack the top twenty. The top twenty. And the problem with Hollywood Brown again, it's not the fact that he's a scrub. He isn't. He has talent. He has promise, and he has potential. And if you utilize him right and you coach him right, he can be a valuable part of your offense. But here's your problem with Hollywood Brown. And it, and it's a major issue when it and it's a major issue when it comes to uh, when when it when it comes to uh, when it comes to you know skill skill positions like wide receivers. You cannot afford to be you can't you can't be an inconsistent player. You can't. You can't one. You can't one night put up you know eight receptions for 115 yards and two touchdown catches one week, and then, and then not even not even a week. Now I'm not saying that's what he did against the Vikings. I'm just using it as an example. But then and of course this week with the Thursday night game, you know four or five days later, go ahead and and forget and forget how to play the sport. You're like again top top ten wide receiver in football one week. And then a week, or in this case, five days later, you like you look like you've never played the position before. Every every ball Lamar throws you, hits you straight in your mitts, you drop it. Can't, can't catch anything, can't catch a damn cold if your life depended on it. So, Hollywood Brown's problem, too, too inconsistent. Too inconsistent. And that, and that's his problem. Is he a scrub? No, he has promise. Does he have? Does he show signs of promise? Yes, he does. But Hollywood Brown to be a quote unquote wide receiver WR one for a contending team such as the Baltimore Ravens that's trying to make a that's trying to make a Super Bowl run. You cannot win football games and expect to make it to the Super Bowl. You know, putting up the numbers he put up last night, getting targeted thirteen times, only walking away with six receptions. You, you you can't you can't have it. 
And it's funny. I threw I threw out that Minnesota Vikings. I threw out the uh, you know the eight receptions, uh, buck twelve uh, stat at you. At you just that just to provide an example. <laughs> I, I, I mean it was funny. I just pulled it up. Marquise Brown's numbers against the Vikings a mere five days ago. 12 targets, 9 receptions, 116 yards. He averaged nearly 13 yards a catch. Last night, he he barely averaged over 6. Too inconsistent. Too inconsistent. He He shows elements of promise, but he's too inconsistent. Looks like Mark Clayton one week and looks like Brashad Perryman the next. I mean, that that's not a recipe for championship football. I'm sorry. When the ball hits you right in your hands, uh, Marquise, catch the damn football. Please. Especially on third down when your team needs to move down the field and score touchdowns in the worst way imaginable. I'm sorry. Now, Lamar Jackson is due to have a bad game. He's allowed a bad game. As Phil Simms says all the time, especially with the quarterbacks, it's not a game of perfection. But what I will get on Lamar Jackson for is that, you know, Lamar, about halfway through the game, you start realizing that maybe it's not Hollywood Brown's uh, night. Maybe maybe try spreading the, spreading the wealth a little bit more. He got targeted 13 times. Bateman... Bateman and Bateman and Andrews got targeted eight, and Devin Duvernay and Sammy Watkins combined got thrown to seven times. So what I will get on Lamar Jackson for, if anything, well not if anything, but what I will hold his feet to the fire for is you got to spread the ball, you got to spread the wealth a little more. You cannot what what because because it was you and Hollywood's return to South Florida. Who cares? My goodness, great! You're, you're supposed to, your job is trying to win a football game. Your job is trying to put up points and win the football game. No, the Raven fan back here in Maryland and Baltimore does not care. The and and you know the, the, the people that bet on the Ravens don't care. The, the bet on the Ravens to win the game don't care. The people don't care about your about the Hollywood Brown Lamar Jackson South Florida connection. Nobody cares. Win the football game. And if that means that Rashad, and if that means that Sammy Watkins gets thrown to eight times, and Mark Andrews gets thrown to ten times, and Rashad Bateman gets thrown to seven times, and Hollywood Brown only gets thrown thrown to twice, and, but if it results in moving the ball downfield and scoring points, so be it. That's the one thing about Lamar last night that drove me crazy. How many times are going to keep on throwing to Hollywood Brown and expect him to catch the freaking football when we are sitting here watching it in front with our own with our own two eyes saying Hollywood Brown can't catch anything tonight. He went to him over and over and over and over and over again. Lamar, Lamar, please. Hollywood not his night tonight. He's a, he, a too inconsistent, but it's not his night tonight. Not the end of the world. That's what. That's why. That's why Eric DaCosta drafted Bateman in this past year's draft. That's why you signed Sammy Watkins in free agency. That's why you paid Mark Andrews over sixty million dollars. 
Okay? Hollywood Brown ain't the only pass, pass catcher on your team. Sammy Watkins has won a Super Bowl. Mark Andrews won one of the best tight ends in football. Devin Duvernay is your, is, your, is, your first, is your first round draft choice. Who's pretty good when you give him the ball, believe it or not. Funny, when, the, when Lamar Jackson and the Ravens woke up and smelled the coffee and realized that, hey, we got to put up some points so we can try to steal this game from Miami. You notice how Mark Andrews and Bateman were getting the ball a whole lot more? Why was it why wasn't that the game plan right from the right from the Ravens opening possession? I don't get that. That should have been their game plan right from the opening snap. Bateman Andrew Bateman Andrews and then you go to Watkins and go to Duvernay and then go to Hollywood. But Bateman especially because Bateman's coming off of IR, still getting his feet wet. Get him involved, and then of course, and again, all the all-time great quarterbacks with the great safety net. Whether it's Gronk with Brady, whether it's Kelsey with Mahomes, the tight end threat, your safety net, find where your tight end is, and give them the ball. An abysmal performance, abysmal. Ravens had scored uh, at least 14 points in all 45 of their regular season games with Lamar Jackson starting uh, during his young career entering on Thursday night. That was the longest streak by any starting quarterback to begin his career since 1950. And also, you you got to give the Miami Dolphins credit. You got to give them credit because when they pressured Lamar Jackson, they made his life a living hell. Under pressure, he was three. He was three of nine, throwing for twenty-one passing yards, a touchdown, and an interception, and he got sacked four times on the night. And the Dolphins blitzed Lamar on dropbacks sixty-two percent of the time. Sixty-two percent of the time. So, and again, get back to the Dolphin side of things. You know where this was the Dolphin. The and I understand the Texans. Again, I know who cares. But their but their back to back defensive performances against Houston on Sunday and then against the Ravens four or five days later, where had, where was this Dolphin defense all season long? This was the Dolphin defense that me and I'm pretty sure a lot of other people counted on and expected heading into the 2021 season, which is one of the reasons why me and quite a few other people expected the Dolphins to make the playoffs. At the beginning of the at the beginning of the year. Now, unless they do the unthinkable, and they proceed to go and they proceed to go on a uh, and they proceed to their three and seven and they proceed to go on a seven game win streak, which isn't entirely impossible. You got the Jets, Carolina, the Giants, the Jets again. The Saints with Trevor Simeon, fair game. Tennessee, it could be one of those games where, you know, Tennessee fails to show up. Tennessee did lose to the Jets, for crying out loud. And they got the Patriots, who they beat in week one. So, it's the chances of it happening is slim to none, but it's not impossible. They could do the unthinkable, go on this tremendous winning, winning streak and finish the season ten and seven, playing playing meaningful football, you know, down the stretch of the twenty twenty one regular season. But where was this Dolphin defense all season long? They pressured Lamar Jackson 
and, and look, when you pressure Lamar Jackson, you make you make life difficult for him. Sacked him four times, an absolutely phenomenal job. Phenomenal by the Dolphin defense. Ravenson scored their first touchdown of the game until late in the fourth quarter. And the Dolphins also got a defensive touchdown of their own. So, and I and I said, and I said and I called it, I, I tweeted out, the first team that makes a mistake by turning over the football is gonna lose the foot is gonna lose this game. Ravens blunked the Ravens blinked first, Dolphins took advantage of it by turning it into six points. First touchdown of the night, late in the second half in the fourth quarter. Dolphins won the football game. So give Brian Flores and give the Dolphins tremendous credit. Their defense has been hungry. They've came to play the last two games. My only issue is where in the hell was this Dolphin defense all season long? It's nice, nice to, nice to kind of sort of have your back, Dolphins. You know where this defense should have been hunting and and rage and raging hell right from the right from. You know, week two after the Patriot game, uh, but a phenomenal job by them. Phenomenal job by Brian Flores. Um, could you call it a trap game? E- yes. And then it's, it's just also the fact that the Ravens just got overwhelmed by Miami. You know, when it's, you know when you play the when you play a long overtime game. And then you got to play a long overtime game on Sunday with the short week on top of it. And then you got to fly down to Miami to play the Thursday night game. It was good. It was, they should they should have beat the Dolphins straight up. You know the Dolphins are two and seven. Ravens are six and two. They they should they should have beat the Dolphins. No excuses. But in fairness to but in fairness to them, in fairness. It is difficult. They had a long that you know that overtime went a good little while against the Vikings last week. You fly to go play a Thursday night game. That's an auto. That's an automatic disadvantage for the road team. And then and then of course the Ravens. The Ravens really haven't played in any real heat and humidity since when the. Uh, you know, it's it's been a, it's been a good month and a half since the Ravens had to deal with that with that heat and humidity. Now it's not an excuse because they got plenty because they got plenty of players on the roster that are from the Florida area, but they 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 got they got decent reasons. Still no excuse. The excuses serve no purpose. They should have won the game, but it is what it is. My my issue is my issue is on the my issue is why in the world. Uh, you know why in the world second and seventeen? Are the Ravens running the football? When you, when you haven't been able to run the ball all night as a team, not 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 just Lamar, but as a team, the Ravens ran the ball for a mere ninety four yards, which is which is chicken change to them. One, they're one of the best. Running football teams in the sport. Second and seventeen, we're running. We're running the ball on a, on a draw play, Greg. Really? I mean, running draw plays on second and seventeen and screen patterns on third and long. I mean, Greg, come on. 
Now, I understand that he's looked like a genius and he could do no wrong in the Chief game, the Viking, the Chief game, the Viking game, you know, all the other wins that the Ravens have had this season, but that that's rough. That's rough. Draw a play on second and 17 and call nothing but freaking screen patterns. Just have Hollywood Brown catch the ball, which he failed to do all night, just catch it and take off running. Come on. And again, the one gripe I have with Lamar, it wasn't all his fault. It was just the fact that the Dolphins, that 80% of it was the fact that the Dolphins just had a hell of a game defensively and give them all the credit in the world for doing so. But again, the one gripe I have with Lamar, if you, real, if you see that Hollywood Brown, for whatever the reason, has, the, has a case of the drop cease and his game is off tonight, this particular night, why in the hell are you continuing to throw him the football? He isn't the only. You, you ran you, one like you were running one wide receiver formations, and you got plenty of decent talent around you to supplement Marquise Brown's shortcomings. Teams paying Mark Andrews over sixty million. Rashad Bateman's your first round draft pick, just coming off of IR. And you went out and you got Super Bowl champion veteran Sammy Watkins in free agency. Hollywood Brown won the only wide receiver wearing 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 the Ravens helmet with the white jersey last night, Lamar. That's the one gripe I do have against him, is that he threw to Hollywood Brown way too damn much in the game. Forget the fact that he's your buddy. Forget the fact that the game's being played in South Florida. The game could be played on the moon for all I damn care. Your job is to put up points, score touchdowns, and win the and, and win football games. And if that and if that recipe for that particular night means that Hollywood Brown barely gets thrown to, so be it. Wins are more important than stats. Speaking of wins, are more important than stats. Odell Beckham Jr. is a Ram. We'll get to that right after this. It's a worldwide to infinity. You know the roof on fire. We go boogie, hoogie, hoogie, jiggle, wiggle, and dance <laughs> like the roof on fire. We go drink drinks and take shots until we fall out like the roof on fire. Now, baby, give a booty naked, take off all your clothes and light the roof on fire. Tell them, tell them, baby, 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 Welcome back to the I'm Telling TIS podcast. Switching gears now to uh, a little bit of a free agency news and player movement because it has just been a busy uh, last three weeks or so uh, in the NFL. I mean, my God, I mean, not just the games itself, but just the news off the field. Henry Ruggs, John Gruden, Dan Snyder. Cronky, OBJ, now Cam Newton, Aaron Rodgers with the vaccine foolishness. It's just, it's just, it's too much NFL. It's bad enough. I'm not bad enough, but I mean, 
we we it is November, right? I mean, it's not like that we don't have NFL content to talk about at our disposal. We're in the we're right we're smack dab in the middle of the re- of the regular season. There's you know there's games being played. I could say if it was you know if it was May, if it was if it was May, June, February, or March. But I mean, Jace, it's we got games to talk about, and then we got all the other extracurricular NFL news happening off the field now that Dalvin Cook situation with the domestic violence it's just oh my goodness gracious the NFL news has just been it's just it's just been hot off the presses the last for the last month essentially because a month ago was when that whole John Gruden thing went down it's just been absolutely ridiculous but anyway not the, and in the ref ball with Tony Carrente this week it's just been absolutely nuts but uh, Odell, by the way, before I give you to Odell Beckham Jr., just to give you a couple of stats from the Raven game, uh, the Ra- the 10 points that the Ravens scored the other night were the fewest of in any of Lamar Jackson's 46 career starts. Um, and just to give you that element of information. And, again, shout out to, again, Lamar's allowed to have a bad game. He's allowed to have a bad game. The one major gripe that I have about him personally it's the fact that when you see Hollywood Brown can't catch anything Lamar don't keep throwing him the damn ball because all you're doing is just putting yourself behind the date behind the eight ball more and more and more and just and just digging your offense a deeper ditch you see if you see that Hollywood can't catch the ball at some point in time I'm not saying give up give up on him after the first after the first drop or the second or give you know give up on him after the first pass you throw to him or the third or the second or the third and you make the argument even the fourth but he was targeted 13 times and only caught six passes after target number six you should have called it a night I'm sorry you got Bateman, your first-round draft pick. You, you just paid Mark Andrews a fortune, and you got Sammy Watkins out off the streets in free agency. Spread the wealth around, please. And a thing about the Ravens also that would be concerning, and I get the OBJ in a minute, you know, there's, there's pros and cons to being a football team that loves too strong but it's comfortable with playing from behind the pros of course is that as an opponent you can never count them out they shut they, they those football teams are mentally tough they're gritty they are um, they're resilient they don't give up on each other. And they stay somewhat optimistic in their chances. The negative thing is, is that every now and again, and the Bengals found this out on Sunday going up against Cleveland, every now and again, you are going to run into a team that will that dominates you or punches you in the face, hypothetically speaking, so hard that you won't be able to come back. Bengals tried to play from a deficit and try to come back, but the Browns kept their foot 
on their necks for 60 minutes. Any single time the Bengals showed signs of life, the Browns would automatically take it away. Last night's game for the Ravens, similar concept, similar standpoint. Some teams, now whether it's just the team's identity in general, or the old adage, any given Sunday, and in last night's case, Thursday night, sometimes you're just going to have those nights where you can't where 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 you can't pull the magic rabbit out of the hat every single time you need to at your own disposal some nights you got to beat your opponent by playing from ahead sometimes you got to know when to punt where when you have to know you have to know how to punch your opponent as soon as the opening bell rings. You got to send that message that you don't mean business. You got to send them. You got to you got to give them a couple of opening jabs to begin the round and let them know that you mean business that you're not playing around. That you're coming after them, that you're not scared of them. And the Ravens who all of a sudden who used to hate and weren't equipped to play from a deficit now all of a sudden the tides are turned where they love playing from a deficit instead of going out there and punching their opponent in the face right from the opening snap there's got to be a happy medium between the two you got to be able to when it's necessary play from a deficit and do the things that the Ravens are capable, are fully capable and well capable of doing when it comes to playing from a deficit, as well as still having that opening round knockout punch in your back pocket, where ball is kicked, you automatically, whether it's a, with a hit, a fumble, uh, a, a hit, a fumble, interception, opening drive, big play, touchdown, whatever the case might be. You got to also in the back of your mind and in your back pocket have that opening knockout punch where, to put it in a baseball term, where you're through two innings and the score is already nine to nothing. You put up a five run first and a four run second inning. You got to have, you, you got to have that in your arsenal with some teams. Send a message that you're not playing around, that you're not, that you're not, that you're not gonna, that you're not gonna dance and 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 and, and toy with them throughout the game. Send a message that you need, that you mean business. Especially if you're playing a team that's feeling themselves a little bit and thinks that they have a chance to beat you. You gotta punch them square in the mouth, and the Ravens failed to do that on Thursday night. And they gotta have, and they gotta find that happy medium and find that ultimate balance between knowing, between being a good team when it comes to playing from deficit, and being and being a good team when it comes to playing an opponent where, where their morale and their optimism is shot on winning on winning a football on winning the football game, come halftime. There's got to be a happy medium of the two. Has to be, or else the Ravens aren't going to get, or else the Ravens aren't going to get any far. 
Cousin Stan, what Cousin Stan, what the story is going to be? It's going to be the Ravens then fought it around for about fifty to fifty-five or fifty-eight minutes, and by the time they woke up and realized that they were playing a football game, it was too little, too late. You know the old Michael Jordan line: "I never lost the game; I just ran out of time." That idea. But anyway, I digress. Um, Odell Beckham Jr. is now a Los Angeles Ram. News broke Thursday afternoon. He will join the Rams for a, uh, you know, for essentially the rest of the season on a one-year deal, quote unquote, so to speak. Here's my point. Here's my, I'll do. I'll do the Rams first, and then I'll do Odell Beckham Jr. When it comes to Odell, or excuse me, with the Rams first, no more. Ex- and I said this after the after the Von Miller trade. There is no excuse, none whatsoever, for the Rams. None. You got you traded for you traded for Matthew Stafford. Cooper Cup's one of the best wide receivers in football this season. You got a solid running game, albeit their running back, um, their running back towards Achilles before the season started. You got you got a good defense, not as great as it has been in seasons past, but a good defense. Aaron Donald, who many assume. I think they're wrong, but many claim that he's the best defensive player in the sport. Jalen Ramsey, locked down, hands down, one of, if not the best corner in all of football. And you got a good coach in Sean McVay. And you traded for Von Miller. You got no excuses. You you have... No excuse, no excuses for the Rams, and no excuses for Matthew Stafford. From a Matthew Stafford standpoint, when it comes to his career, he can't sit up here and say, "Well, he was stuck in the confines of Detroit. They didn't care. Ownership. What team did he have around him? You can't make those excuses for Matthew anymore." And the thing that also bothers me is that people make more make more Matthew more excuse for Matthew Stafford you can shake a stick at, yet people conveniently forget that for a good portion of his first few seasons in Detroit, the Hall of Fame wide receiver Calvin Johnson was his go was was his was his was his WR one and his and his go to target. Yeah, people people conveniently forget that when they talk about Matthew Stafford. And again, I understand that, that the Ford family and the Lions haven't won a damn thing. But don't sit up and say they didn't have talent. They had some decent talent around you. I'm sorry. Calvin Johnson, Hall of Fame wide receiver, and they had Jim Caldwell, their last decent coach that they've that, that the that the Lions have had in recent memory, who you know who took the Colts to a Super Bowl back in 2009. And quite a few AFC championship games. So no more so definitely no more excuses for him. Get it done. You got Odell, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup. No excuses. None. No excuses for Matthew Stafford. If you if Matthew Stafford, if the Rams, let's say for the sake of conversation, they let's say for the sake of conversation, they somehow they they win their division and they get the one seed for the sake of conversation. If Matthew Stafford and the Rams come divisional round weekend, I believe that's the week I believe that's Dr. King weekend, if I'm not mistaken. Anyway, it's irrelevant. If they in their first playoff game in two weeks Crap the bed because 
Brady, if they if they crap the bed because Rodgers, Brady, Kyler Murray, or Dak Prescott walk into their building and outplays Matthew Stafford, and Matthew Stafford plays the way he did on Sunday night against the Titans, look out because I will because I will you won't be able to shut me up. Get it done. No more excuses. You're out of Detroit. Don't have to worry about coaching incompetence. You got Odell, Cooper Cup. The combination has been deadly. Robert Woods is a good wide receiver. Got a good coach in Sean McVay and a great defense. No more excuses. If you don't win the Super forget Super Bowls in 2022, 2023, 2024. If you don't win the Super Bowl in 2020, if you do not become, if you do not make NFL history and having back to back Super Bowls being played at the same stadium of which the opponent is participating in the game, if that, if that weird, funky nugget of history is not made, in a month's, not a month's, in three months' time. The Super Bowl is three months from Saturday, the 13th. If that if that little nugget of history is not made by the Rams, not only will their season be a tremendous disappointment and a tremendous letdown, I'm coming for heads. And you know who you are. I am coming for heads. So no no more excuse for Matthew Stafford. That's the first thing. And from the Rams specifically, no more excuses for them and no more excuses for McVay. McVay, you're not tied down by Jared Goff. You don't have to worry about Todd Gurley and his and his art and his art and arthritis with his with his knees. You don't have to worry about that. Goff's out, Gurley's out. Win the Super Bowl. You got the one Super Bowl in your life, and you stunk. Win the Super Bowl. Odell, Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, decent running game. Matthew Stafford, your QB, hell of a defense. Led by Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, and now Von Miller. Win the Super Bowl. And if you don't win it in the next couple of years, I'm telling you. you get, I'm, 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 I'm telling you. You, this franchise will pay for it. And if they don't walk away with at least two Super Bowls at minimum, this will blow up in the Rams' face exponentially, like you wouldn't believe. They got no draft. They got no draft picks for the next few years. This will blow up, and and they're limited in cap space. This will blow up tremendously, tremendously. In their face if they don't win a couple Super Bowls. Two at minimum. No more excuses for Stafford, McVay, or the Ram franchise. The Sea the Seahawks, their little reign of dominance looks like it's coming to an end. And if they make the playoffs, there's no excuse why y'all can't beat them. You did last year, why can't you do it again this year, regardless where the game is played? Seattle at the Coliseum, SoFi, who cares? The 49ers are trash. 
enough of Kyle Shanahan. I made that point on Wednesday. And the Cardinals, albeit who are in first place and who you currently lose a tiebreaker to at this moment in time, they're inexperienced. Young quarterback, never played in the playoffs before. Young coach, has never coached in the NFL playoffs before. You got you had a young, inexperienced football team. That could, that could come back to get them in trouble. You 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 look you look at the household names on that roster with playoff experience. What 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 James James Connor, AJ Green, and TJ Watt. I mean, come on. Um, but no excuses. None. Don't let Dak Prescott walk into your building and 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 and, you, and we and we English guy, and we blink, and next thing you know, the Dallas Cowboys are playing in the NFC Championship game, or the Arizona Cardinals, or Brady and the Bucks again, or Rodgers and the Packers. Win the NFC and win the Super Bowl. The AFC is exponentially weak this year. The, a- the AFC standings change from week to week. Bengals get Bengals lose to the one to the one win New York Jets. The Bills lose to the one win Jacksonville Jaguars, and the Ravens lose to the two win Miami Dolphins. While Kansas while Kansas City is still treading water at five and four with a horrend- with a horrendous defense and an offense that's been sleepwalking essentially since the you know has been sleepwalking essentially since since the season began outside of a couple of outlier games here and there and and the Tennessee Titans currently hold the number one seed but how long is that going to last with an old Adrian Peterson and Derrick Henry on the shelf? So the NFC has so the NFC the winner of the NFC is going to win the Super Bowl. It better be the Los Angeles Rams. No no more excuses. And also no more excuses for Odell Beckham Jr. either. You know, everywhere it's it's never his fault. It's 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 never his fault. It's either it's the Giants, it's the Giants, it's Baker, it's the fa- it's never his fault. Never his fault. And he's played in one lousy playoff game in his life, and he stunk in the game. After taking his time parts on on a boat trip down to Miami the week before it, or a few days before it, which was which was an absolute joke and a disgrace. And the, and if Odell Beckham Jr. doesn't win anything in the rest of his career, that's going to be his legacy. And he may not like the, and may not like the air, but he's over. He, historically, he's one of the most overrated wide receivers in the game in the last twenty five years. Sounds harsh, sounds mean. That's the way it is. This is also his last. Well, this is also his last chance. You're on a Super Bowl contending team now, a team that didn't need that didn't need you to be great. Okay. And I don't want to hear, nor should I hear or read that you make a peep. And that goes for your father too, by the way. I don't want to hear him or his father kick. Kick, moan, and groan, and scream, whether it's to the media or on social media, about Odell not getting the ball enough. To hell with that. You're, you're, trying, to, you're trying to set receiving individual receiving records or win championships. Which one, which one, which which legacy, what direction do you want your career to go in? 
has been me, me, me with you ever since that stupid asinine one-handed catch. And a game that the Giants lost, by the way, and a season in which they didn't even make the playoffs. So keep that in mind as well. Now I don't want to. I don't want to hear or see Odell Beckham Jr. kicking and screaming to McVay, to Stafford, to nobody because he's not getting the ball enough. If the Rams' success, uh, recipe for winning games and recipe for success and scoring points means that Odell Beckham Jr. averages about about uh, three to five receptions a game, and Cooper Cup averages anywhere between between uh, seven and ten, so be it. So be it. And he and his father should get this message across to himself too. That That's what matters. If Cooper Cup gets more receptions than, 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 than your son, than, OB, than OBJ does, OBS, so be it. So be it. It's about winning championships and winning games, not building your own little personal box score and your own little personal trophy case. Because none, because a a nobody cares, and b that doesn't matter in the long run. Yes, Jerry Rice has his receiving records, and he and he has his own little individualistic achievements at the wide receiver position. But you know what? Jerry Rice also won. Jerry Rice also won. He won. He won. He has his receiving records. He has his own little individual accomplishments. But Jerry Rice won Super Bowls. You know, Devontae Adams has played in NFC Championship games. Tyreek Hill has played in and won Super Bowls. Julio Jones has played in a super has played in a Super Bowl. Antonio Brown has played in the playoffs in many in in many of occasions. Has played in two conference championship games and has won a Super Bowl. You go look at the list at all the all the wide receivers that at one point in time were considered the best in the league throughout the last five to seven throughout the last five to seven years. A a good bunch of them. Have, if not, they haven't won. If they haven't won a Super Bowl, they've at least been close at one time or another at competing to go to one. Played in playoff games. Played in conference championship games. Odell's played in one. Has played in one playoff game in his life. His buddy Jarvis Landry was an eyelash away from playing in the AFC Championship game back in January. An eyelash. Eyelash. Stephon Diggs has played in two conference championship games. Arguably the most arguably the play that Stephon Diggs is most known for, and if he were to retire today, what he'd be best known for and what he'd be famous for his claim to fame, that that came in a closing seconds of a playoff game. Now you're a little, you know, your little cute four twenty-five regular season game in front of in front of the state of in front of the state of of Minnesota and the state of Louisiana. Uh-uh. That 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 was a playoff game. 
in front of about 20 plus million people all across the country and a sold out U.S. Bank Stadium. We consider Stephon Diggs one of the best wide receivers in the game. He's played in two conference championship games. Odell, one playoff game in his life. One. Now, I understand that, you know, having the quote-unquote superstar wide receiver doesn't guarantee you a Super Bowl, but it it should at least get you to the doorstep. Odell hadn't even been to the doorstep yet. It should at least get you to the doorstep. Again, Tyreek Hills played in conference championship games, has played in two Super Bowls, won one of them. Devontae Adams has played in conference championship games. Stephon Diggs has played in conference championship games. DeAndre Hopkins has played in a couple of playoff games in his career. Couple, with more than one. Odell's played in one. No more excuses for him either. And another thing that I found fascinating. You know, my job, in case you don't know, guys, I work at Dick Sport. I work at Dick Sporting Goods out in Westminster. And they have TVs on in that store for the customers that walk in and out. And they had it on ESPN all day on Thursday. And I swear to you. And I had and I had to and I had to job at the cashier where my where where the register is right in front of the television. So if I'm not ringing up any customers, I'm watching the TV. And I swear to you, as God be my witness, they must have talked about Odell Beckham Jr. on Sports Center. Get up. This Justin first take NFL Live more than a dozen times all day on Thursday. They might have mentioned the Thursday night game between the Ravens and the Dolphins about at the most five times. Odell, it was Odell, if they were talking, if they were talking NFL, they were talking Odell Beckham Jr. Where's OB? And and this is and this is the hours leading up to Odell signing with the Rams. Where is it going to go? What team needs him? What team would he be a benefit to? Would he be a locker room? Can- would he be a locker room cancer? Blah 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 blah. I swear to you, they must have talked about Odell Beckham Jr. about thirty times. And I'm saying to myself, did Odell become Jerry Rice overnight? And I didn't, and no one gave me the heads up. He's an electrifying talent, but he doesn't win. Let's call it like we see it. Cam Newton, and and, and another thing about OBJ that also gets glossed over is the fact that he's always injured, too. The best, the best ability is availability, and you cannot help your team also uh, in between moaning and groaning about not getting the ball enough. You also can't help your team if you're on IR every single time you turn around, too. Which, which which people also often forget too is that he is, is that he can never stay on the field. Um, Cam Newton also coming home to uh, Carolina. Uh, to back to the Carolina Panthers. You know the you know Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold's injury is going to be out for some time. Uh, just the, their quarterback position has just been a complete mess. Um, it's a good feel good story. Got to be honest. You know it, Cam Newton. Is you know Cam Newton's closer to his days of being a sh- a quote unquote shot NFL quarterback than he is his MVP days, but hey, it'll sell tickets 
jersey sales will go up. People, you know, the, the Carolina Panther fan will uh, come back out of the woodwork with their with their 2015 Cam Newton jersey. People start dabbing again. You know, people get a kick out of him. You know, his touchdown celebration, he scored, he runs in for a touchdown, he hands the ball off to a kid. So it's a good feel-good story for Cam because I'm glad because I'm glad and Cam's one of my favorite quarterbacks, one of my favorite football players uh, uh, right now and of all time. So I, I'm glad to see him get a job. I'm glad to see that he's employed. I'm glad to see that there's a team out there that wants him. Which makes me happy. Which you know, it 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 it, it brought it, it made made you feel good when you saw that news on Thursday. Now, will it translate to the Panthers making the playoffs? I don't think so. Will it translate to the Panthers of being any better off of a football team than they were prior? Yeah, I would say I'd lean I'd lean on the side of no. But it does give you that it does give you that feel good story element involved. It's good to see that he's back. That he's now no Ron Rivera there in a different regime. But it's good to see that he's back with the franchise. The fan base still the fan base loves him. He's a staple in that city of Charlotte. He's a staple with as far as the NFL in the Carolinas is is concerned. Um, he he's the he I put it to you this way. He is the biggest. Athlete and he is the biggest athlete in North Carolina that doesn't dribble a basketball. I put I put I put it to you like that. He's the biggest athlete in North, the biggest, the most popular athlete in North Carolina that doesn't that it that doesn't play basketball. The most popular athlete slash sports figure, if you want to include the coaches with Roy Williams and and of course and of co and of course, excuse me, Coach K, who started his final uh, college basketball coaching season earlier this week. He's the biggest and most popular sports figure in the Carolinas that doesn't dribble a basketball. That that's how big he is. But it's good to see him employed. It's good to see him back with the Carolina Panthers. Um, he will not play on Sunday. They said that they want to try to get him into uh, into the into Carolina's game next week. Boy, will my boy will I get a huge kick out of seeing Cam Newton's uh, next uh, next week? I believe they play Washington next week. Oh my goodness! Great. All I, I I just seek. I want to see him just do. You it get you get the same feeling with Cam Newton go back, going back to the Panthers as you got when Marshall Lynch came back to the Seahawks in 2019. Remember that when the Seahawks essentially had every single one of their running backs on IR and they brought back Marshall Lynch for about three games. That's the kind of feeling you get. The, the the nostalgia piece, and if you remember, Marshawn Lynch scored a touchdown in every game he played the rest of the, the rest of that season. He didn't put up them quote unquote beast mode numbers, but he he did produce. I'm not expecting Cam Newton to be a 2015 you know NFC champion NFL MVP form, but if he can make a positive contribution to the team and help him win. And provide a little bit, a little bit of a spark, a little bit of an energy, which has been missing since Carolina started the season three and three and one, whatever it was. Then good, then good for the Panthers for getting, for bringing them back. Take a break. Back right after this.
Welcome back to the Ambitelica TIS podcast. Get back to the matters on the field. That is week 10 of the National Football League coming up on Sunday. You get four marquee matchups. Not a, not a bad slate as far as games in week 10 of the NFL is concerned this weekend. Four decent games. Browns-Patriots is interesting. Saints-Titans is interesting. Uh, you can make the argument Falcons, Cowboys, make the argument I wouldn't buy it because I don't think the Falcons are going, I don't think the Falcons are going anywhere, but 4-4 four and four is 4-4 four and four and the 7th seed for the NFC is wide open, so you never know uh, as of this moment in time. Seahawks-Packers, of course the, uh, the game of the week that's on CBS, not Fox um, and of course you have the Sunday night game between the 5-4 and four Chiefs going up against the 5-4 and four uh, Oakland, or excuse me, Las Vegas Raiders. But you go with game, and then of course you got Week Ten picks against the spread as well. Um, as far as the Cleveland Browns and the Patriots are concerned, uh, you know Cleveland coming off of that impressive win against my Bengals last week. Shame because I, you know, because I, if they would have played anybody else, I would have rooted for Cleveland to win on Sunday with all the drama with the Odell stuff and. It, so, but you know, it didn't end up being the case. But Cleveland, they showed when they don't have Odell on the on the on the field, they got a good. They got a, they get a, they have excuse me a good offense, and they don't have any issues putting up points when when they're not trying to force Odell Beckham Jr. the ball or have to deal with the distraction of of uh, of him wanting the ball and everything else. Um, Jarvis Landry, Miles Garrett are questionable. Nick Chubb is out with a positive COVID test, um, so he will not play in the game on Sunday. But Cleveland, coming off of an emotional and gutty, gritty win last week at Cincinnati, they're at five and four, still trying to steer the ship in the right direction to possibly uh, steal the AFC North from the Ravens, from the Ravens, the Bengals. Pittsburgh, they're trying to steal the AFC North in general and make the playoffs winning their first division title in quite some time. Their defense had an absolutely phenomenal day at the office. They made life for Burrow a living hell. Of course, the Denzel Ward picked six the length of the field. Bengals only scored 16 points in a game. Ten of the 16 were the ones that mattered when the game was uh, still in question. Uh, just phenomenal. Miles Garrett, Miles Garrett got to Joe Burrow last week with a one with a one and a half sack. Uh, against Joey B last week in Cincinnati, while the New England Patriots are coming off of their victory against the uh, Carolina Panthers, in which they absolutely dominated them defensively, 24 to six. And listen, you see why I predicted the Patriots to be. As a matter of fact, let me go back and look and see what I had the Patriots at the season's beginning. I believe I had them as a playoff team. And I did not, but I didn't have them as a playoff team, but I had them going 10-7. You see why I think the team's going to win 10 games. Mac Jones, is not, Mac Jones does not have to look like Tom Brady in order for the New England Patriots to win football games. He just has to limit the mistakes, play the position competently, and let the Patriots defense go out and hunt and give the and give Jones and the Patriots offense a a, uh, a short field to work with, and it's all and it's all uh, strawberries and green. I mean, the defense is just out there just hunting, 
the Patriots defense that is. And just I tell you, Belichick, give Belichick tremendous credit. You think Belichick was going to just lie down and die seeing Brady win? His, you, think, you think Belichick was going to be okay with that? Belichick was going to go at the at the at the worst to back to back back to back seasons in a row with a sub five hundred record. My, if you believe that, I got a bridge to sell you over uh, over in the Bay Area in California somewhere. The New England Patriots are, are, are a scrappy football team. They're scrappy. They don't. They they play hard for Belichick. Like that's a surprise, but still, they, it's a different regime, different group of players. You know, some it, Belichick's way may not work for everybody, and doesn't translate. That doesn't always translate to the roster carryover. I mean, it's just that possibility. But they play hard for Belichick. They they got a good defense, competent offense. Competent quarterback play. He right now, next to Justin Fields, is the best quarterback coming out of this 2021 draft, bar none. Um, but the Patriots are just playing absolutely phenomenal football. Uh, so that's going to be a very interesting matchup, seeing if the Patriots can essentially relegate the Cleveland Browns offense into, into what we saw with Odell on the roster, i.e. their performance against Pittsburgh back on Halloween and their performance without uh, without Baker in the, Denver, in the uh, Bronco game that Thursday. Now, can they relegate Cleveland to scoring 14, 17, 10 points a game, or will the Cleveland Browns offense... Uh, or is this the beginning of the Cleveland Browns offense just going on an absolute roll where they can a roll where they can do no wrong and put up and put up uh, thirty plus points like they have the capability of doing? That's game number one. Game number two is the Saints and the Titans. The Saints with Trevor Simeon um, going into uh, going into going into Nashville, Tennessee. AFC's best team, seven and two. Tennessee Titans are they three and one at home this season? They have not lost a home game since week one against uh, Arizona uh, at in Nashville. So it'll be interesting to see if the Titans could put, can uh, put their little three-game home winning streak to bed. Again, Trevor Simeon going for the Saints. He was, you know, he led a night. He led a, uh, what, what we thought was a game-winning drive against the Falcons last week, all for the Saints' defense to implode and let Matt Ryan turn into his 2016 MVP uh, self to, to conduct the game-winning drive to set up the uh, the Youngway Koo game-winning field goal at the end of regulation. Uh, but the Saints are five and three. They themselves also three and are three and one this time uh, away from uh, the Superdome in New Orleans as they uh, head as they head into this game. Alvin Kamara and C.J. Gardner Johnson are both questionable with their injuries. Julio Jones, Jeffrey Simmons, Harold Landry are questionable at this point in time right now. You take the Titans, although they do not have Derrick Henry in the Titans, or excuse me, the Saints, of course, have the advantage at the running back position, but it comes down, but it comes down to quarterback play. Who do you trust, Trevor Simeon or Ryan Tannehill? If you take Ryan Tannehill, you chose the correct answer. That's game number two. And that's a good. It's a game that the Saints have to have if the you know to keep their playoff hopes alive in the NFC and the Titans to make that uh, to make that gap between them and the you know and the and the four nuts in the AFC North that are beating each other up and and uh, and the and the few teams in the AFC West and the Chargers, Raiders, and Chiefs 
they, they can keep they can keep on winning just to just to make that margin wider and wider and wider so they let the nuts beat so they let the nuts beat themselves up while the uh, you know in the four teams in the AFC North and the three out of the four teams in the AFC West they can beat each other up while the uh, while the Titans are smooth sailing in first place and currently with the number 1 seed in the AFC South. And then you have game number 3 between the Seattle Seahawks and the Green Bay Packers. Seahawks are coming off of uh Seahawks are coming off of a bye. Last time out they lost to the Saints in that unwatchable uh, Monday night game the last uh, Geno Smith's last start. I believe they went they went 1 and 2 without they went 1 and 2 without Geno Smith. They lost um they lost, of course, the Saint game. They lost the. I should have. I should know that off the top of my head, but I don't. Uh, I apologize. I, the one win that they had against the Jaguars who stink. Um, the most recent loss was the Monday night game before their bye against uh, against the Saints. Or excuse me, they, the Jacksonville was the most recent game before their bye, and then the Saints before that. So they went. They went one and two, technically one and three, if you want to count the rest of the Seattle, the rest of the Ram Thursday night game that Russell Wilson missed. But they went one and three without uh, Russell Wilson. They lost. They lost the Steeler game on the road in overtime by three, twenty-three twenty. Uh, the Saint, the Saints game, they lost by three in a Monday night, and then they beat the living tar out of Jacksonville and Geno Smiths. Uh, last start before, prior to their bye week, thirty-one to seven. They get Russell Wilson back. He is a full go. Um, uh, rookie wide receiver D. Eskridge uh, is going to. He's going by quoting of Pete Carroll. Looks like he's going to make it. Um, and Chris and running back Chris Carson dealing with a neck injury, who's missed the last four games, is a uh, game time decision. Eskridge has dealt with a concussion since their season opener against the Indianapolis Colts in week one. So you get Seahawks going up against Green Bay. Both of these teams get their quarterbacks back. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, now there's a possibility, he said to Pat McAfee earlier this week, there's a possibility that he do, that he, that he does not play. Um, there's a possibility that he doesn't play. Uh, if he does not pass the uh, with the negative test come Saturday, come, uh, come Saturday, if he doesn't, he won't play. Get Jordan Love again. Which would be an absolute gift, gift to Seattle to allow them to get to uh, four and five on the season, only a game below five hundred, and kind of boost uh, what's been a low confident and just been a a lackluster, subpar, uninspiring, unentertaining twenty twenty one Seahawks season. It'd be the break of all time if Ann Rodgers uh, still is testing positive come Saturday. And won't and won't be a go for the Packers come Sunday afternoon. But if if he is a go, it'll be an absolute blessing for the Packers. Their defense has improved and stepped up. They did an absolute phenomenal job, only holding Mahomes and the Chiefs to only one touchdown in the game. Chiefs only scored 13 points last week, um, and then of course Devontae Adams, Aaron Rodgers. You know, if the if Aaron if Aaron Rodgers plays, the Packers are going to win this game. If he doesn't, it's going to be Seattle in an absolute. I think you're going. I think you're going to have a uh, you're going to have a blowout on your hands either way you slice it. 
And now, granted, if 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 Aaron Rodgers does play, I can see Seattle losing by like seventeen points. If he doesn't, Seattle, this this is the perfect game for Russ Wilson to come back and say, "Hey, remember me," and they go out there and they beat the living hell out of the Packers, you know, by a final score of forty-two to ten or something like that. But uh, it's going to be a very interesting game as well. Seahawks need this game to keep their playoff hopes alive. Green Bay needs this game to uh, keep pace with Arizona to get the number one seed in the NFC playoffs. And, of course, Sunday night game between the Kansas, between the Kansas City Chiefs and the, uh, about the Kansas City Chiefs and the Oakland Raiders. Uh, I keep on saying the Oakland Raiders. The Vegas Raiders, these are two teams sitting at 5-4. and four. Vegas, who had a phenomenal start to the season, and so John Gruden resigned and then a wall, or excuse me, they're 5-3. and three. Uh, Kansas City's 5-4. and four. The Raiders are 5-3, and three, with the Raiders have already had their bye week. Um, you know, now, Grant, 5-3, don't panic. Can't lose to the Giants on the road, though. That's, that's a horrendous loss. Uh, but they're sitting at 5-3. and three. Uh, they are tied for first place with the Chargers in the AFC West, who are also sitting at five and three. Kansas City, who's yet to have their bye week, is sitting at five and four. Um, they are coming off of a victory that really was due to Jordan Love's incompetence and, dare I say, their defense might have gotten themselves uh, gotten themselves together uh, in their last two games, going against the Giants and then Aaron Rodgers. Less uh, Green Bay Packers. I get that. I understand that. But still, they are five and four, a game above five hundred. Kansas City. This is t- this is the time of the year where they got to start. Where they got to turn it on here, and you know, win games like it's nobody's business, and don't look back. Defense play. Now we all knew that they weren't a great defense to begin with, anyway. But you know, if they can somehow get their defense to being middle of the pack and not and not the garbage of the league, they'll be better off. And if Kansas City can get their offense back together where they're averaging, you know, 28, 31 points a game, uh, Kansas City should be right back up to their old tricks and watch them steal the number one seed in the AFC out of the clear blue sky. Uh, but on, up until this point, the fact, the fact that the Chiefs are so morbidly incompetent this season is why the AFC, particularly the one and two seeds, are so wide open, let alone the AFC West is wide open as well. Um, so they need to get themselves together quick, fast, and in a hurry because you can no longer say, "Well, it's early." Well, it's this, it's that. You're at the, you're at the halfway point. In the, you're at the halfway point in the season. We're not in September anymore. We're not in October anymore. We're in November. Halfway point in the season, guys. It, it's straight. It's 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 straighten up and fly right or see in 2022. I mean, come on. The the the, the league is not going to wait. It's not going to wait and reserve your playoff spot because you haven't gotten because the Chiefs are still farting around coming off of the Super Bowl hangover. The Raiders and the Chargers want to steal want to steal their division. Hell, the Denver Broncos are five from four for crying out loud. The Chargers, the Chargers and Raiders want to steal want to steal the division. And you got and then when it comes to the and when it comes to the one seed, you got to worry about Baltimore and all the other teams in the AFC North. Tennessee, who you lost to, got destroyed at seven. And two, and then God forbid you, get, you gotta worry about the Bills and the Patriots in the AFC East. So it's time for Kansas City to get themselves together and put to, and put together a nice little win streak for a change. Now I obviously do not want that. I will root against it. But from speaking as if I were a Chiefs fan, it's time this team starts starts to turn it on because it, because this you can't sit there and say, "Well, it's a young season, plenty of time left." 
Nonsense. It's November. Halfway point of the season, you're nine games in. Come on. You know what time it is. It is a Friday prior to another Sunday of NFL football. That means it is time for my week 10 picks in the league where they play. For pay. The Atlanta Falcons going up against the Dallas Cowboys. Atlanta's sitting right now pretty at five, no, excuse me, at four and four. Dallas Cowboys still licking their chops, suffering their first home loss of the season at the hands of the Denver Broncos in a bloodbath last week, ending their six-game win streak that they'd been on since their opening uh, since their opening season loss to the t- to the Bucks the first Thursday of the new season. Uh, of the 2021 season, I should say. Um, Atlanta, last second victory. Matt Ryan and the fellas showed some grit and showed some fight for once uh, to knock off the Saints on the road last week. Cowboys favorite minus 10. Give me the Dallas Cowboys to take care of business against the Atlanta Falcons by the final score of 31-17. The New Orleans Saints are 5-3, and three, trying to take care of business against the Tennessee Titans. The Titans are 7-2. and two. Favored by a field goal in this game. Last week, they took care of business and dominated the Rams on Sunday Night Football on the road last week without Derrick Henry, I might add. Uh, Saints lost in the aforementioned game last week to the Atlanta Falcons. Tennessee's favored by a field goal, giving the Tennessee Titans win this game by the final score of 24-17. The Jacksonville Jaguars going up against the Indianapolis Colts. The Colts are 4-5. and five. Jacksonville's two and six. Uh, Indianapolis the favorite minus ten and a half. Giving the, the Indianapolis Colts coming off of their uh, week nine bloodbath beating of the Jets on that Thursday night, and Jacksonville uh, edging out uh, the uh, Buffalo Bills in an utter uh, slug and an utter defensive slugfest. About a final score of nine to six last week. Indianapolis is favorite minus ten and a half points. Give me the Colts to win this game by the final score of 28-10. to 10. Cleveland Browns going up against the Indianapolis, excuse me, the New England Patriots. Both teams are 5-4. and four. Uh, Aforementioned, I told you uh, that the Browns took care of business, blunt beating the living tar out of the Bengals on the road last week. Patriots uh, handled the Carolina Panthers last week on the road. Both teams are at five and are five and four. Patriots have only won one, one home game this season. Keep that in mind. Their favorite minus two and a half. Give me the Cleveland Browns to win this game by the final score of twenty to seventeen. The Buffalo Bills are in Jersey to take care to take on the Jets. Excuse me. Coming off of that uh, beat down, you get Mike White back at the helm for the Jets this week. Buffalo favorite minus 12 and a half. Buffalo was absolutely horrendous. Hor- the offense was absolutely disgusting. Josh Allen turned back into his old self. Well, you know, we were like, really? Is this guy going to be the answer for Buffalo now? Um, but I got faith in them. Buffalo Bills will turn around. They'll beat the Giants. The Giants. The Jets by the final score of 35 to 10. And then, of course, you have the Detroit Lions, who are currently winless, going against the Pittsburgh Steelers, who are 5-3. Steelers are favored minus 8 points. 
Detroit coming off of the bye. Pittsburgh taking uh, coming off of their uh, Monday night victory against the Bears. They're at home. They're five and three. Pittsburgh quietly is riding a four-game win streak. That win streak will improve to five. Giving the Pittsburgh Steelers to win this game by the final score of twenty-four to seventeen. And then, of course, you have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers coming off of their bye, heading into Washington, coming off of their bye to take on uh, the Washington football team at Landover, a rematch of the NFC wildcard game back in January. Tampa's favorite minus nine and a half. Uh, they're six and two. Washington's two and six. Give me the Bucks and Brady to take care of business in Washington to win this game by the final score of 31 to 17. By the way, for that game, just the injury report. Um, Gronk is out. Robinson is out. Um, and I believe no Antonio Brown either. I could be mistaken. I believe no, yeah, no Antonio Brown and no Gronk. Chris Godwin, a game time decision. The Cardinals going up against the uh, Carolina Panthers in the rematch of the 2015 a NFC Championship game. Cardinals favorite minus 10.5 coming off of their road victory at the 49ers. Carolina licking their wounds coming off of their game against the New England Patriots. Carolina's 8-1. Uh, excuse me, Carolina's 4-5. Cardinals are 8-1. Give me the Cardinals to win this game by the final score of 31 to 14 and then uh, you have the Minnesota Vikings taking on the Los Angeles Chargers Chargers are favored by a field goal they are coming off of their uh, win last week on the road at Philadelphia while the Vikings are coming off of their loss to the Ravens on Sunday in overtime Minnesota's at three and five season hanging in the balance Chargers are five and three, giving the Chargers to win this game by a final score of twenty-seven to twenty-four. Philadelphia Eagles taking on the Denver Broncos. Broncos took care of business on the road at the Eagles division rival Cowboys last week. Philadelphia lost in the aforementioned game last week to the Los Angeles Chargers. Denver's favorite minus two and a half points. Give me the Denver Broncos to win this game by the final score of 21 to 10. And you have the Seattle Seahawks going up against the Green Bay Packers. Green Bay is 7-2, favored minus 3.5. Lost last week uh, to the Kansas City Chiefs on the road with Jordan Love. If they get Aaron Rodgers back, I would imagine that line would change. Seattle gets Russell Wilson back. They're three and five, trying to improve the four and five. I will lean on the side of Aaron Rodgers playing, so I'll take a little bit of a risk here, counting on the fact that Aaron Rodgers will play, and I'll take the Green Bay Packers to win this game by the final score of 28 to 17. And you have the Sunday night game between the Kansas City Chiefs. Who are five and four last lap? Excuse me, won their game last week against the aforementioned Jordan Love and the Green Bay Packers. They're once again finally above 500 for the first time in a while. They are two and a half point favorites walking into Vegas, taking on the Raiders, who are five and three. Lost last week on the road to the New York Football Giants. 
um, as the as the Raiders and Chiefs are trying to uh, stay lockstep with each other in the AFC West. Um, Kansas City's favorite minus two and a half. Give me the Kansas City Chiefs to start to get off the schneid and win this game by the final score of 24 to 21. Then the Monday night game between the LA Rams with Odell Beckham Jr., I might add, going up against the 3-5 and five San Francisco 49ers who stink. The Rams are favorite minus 3.5 points. Give me the Rams to win this game and a good beatdown by the final score of 35-14. to 14. San Francisco coming off of their uh, coming off of their loss last week against the division rival 49ers. They are 0-4, winless, winless at Levi Stadium. The Rams are undefeated away from SoFi with a perfect 4-0. And those are your Week 10 picks against the spread in the league where they play for pay. Wrap up the program with my quick thoughts in the college football playoff rankings coming up to close out the show. This is the Amatelica TIS Podcast on iHeartRadio, the Anchor app, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Welcome back to the Amatelica TIS Podcast. Just to give you a couple, uh, just to give you my two cents on the college football playoff rankings I saw earlier this week. You know, I understand, you know, what is it, I understand what does it matter uh, because because if the seeds were to end today, they wouldn't play in it anyway. But how in the world is Michigan ranked sixth and Michigan State ranked seventh? Michigan blew a lead. Michigan blew a lead to Michigan State on what day was that? That was the thirty. That was the thirtieth of October, two weeks ago, and they blew, they blew a lead. They had a double-digit lead flustered right down the toilet. The absolute stud of a running back, Kenneth Walker, ran for damn near 200 yards on 23 carries and ran for five touchdowns on the afternoon. Got absolutely destroyed. Destroyed. Michigan, destroyed. Again, double-digit lead. They were up up 23-14 to at halftime. Lost the game 37-33, could not stop the run whatsoever, and yet they're ranked 6th and Michigan State is ranked 7th. Why? Like, does that make any literal, logical sense to you? Two teams play each other head-to-head. The favorite has the lead, blows it, the underdog wins, yet in the rankings, Michigan is ranked above Michigan State. Why? Be- why? Because Michigan went because Michigan went out the next week and played that disgusting football program that is Indiana and destroyed them 29 to se- 29 to 7 this past Saturday. Who cares? Well, we're going to give Michigan we're going to we're going to give Michigan State uh, go throw bouquets at Michigan, excuse me, for for beating Indiana. I mean, really? Yeah, we're going to totally ignore the fact that they blew a double-digit lead to Michigan State on the road last week and allowed that running back, Kenneth Walker, to run for five touchdowns and nearly nearly 200 yards. 
So Michigan lost to Purdue by 11. Mike. They played each other head-to-head. So what? Michigan lost to Purdue by 11. So is it a bad loss? Absolutely. Should they get ambushed and get upset like that? Coming off of that extreme high uh, of, of, of coming back to beat Michigan? No. As an underdog? No. But they did play each other head-to-head. If you want to make them 8, 9, 10, fine. But if you're going to rank them and you're top 25, you can't, you can't have Michigan above Michigan State, especially when they have the same record of 8 and 1. So that 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 drove that drove me nuts. Um, furthermore, you know they make such a big deal about you know you got to be undefeated. They, they they emphasize on not on not losing football games. They emphasize it. They emphasize not losing football games. Yet three out of the four teams in the CFP top top four rankings. Three out of the four have one loss. The only one that doesn't is Georgia at nine and zero. Cincinnati nine and zero. They're ranked in the fifth. They're they're ranked in the fifth hole. Now I understand they don't play in the Power Five conferences. I understand it's not Cincinnati. That it you know that's not it's not a quote unquote sexy team. They're not Oregon with the uniforms. They're not, they're not an SEC staple such as Georgia, such as uh, such as Georgia, such as Alabama. They're not the Ohio State University. I get that, but I mean, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that that you know you make you make such an emphasis on being undefeated. You 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 can't you can't put you can't put Cincinnati in your top four. Okay, I mean let's I mean let's let's look and see who Cincinnati who look and see who Cincinnati's played this year. Now, granted, they haven't played. Granted, the one ranked opponent they played was Notre Dame on the second on the second of uh, on the second of October. But I but I mean, come on, guys. I mean, you, you can't you can't throw a bone to Cincinnati. I mean, let let's look at the teams who uh, let's do uh, let's do Ohio State for a perfect example. Let's look and see uh, who Ohio State has played. All right, they play Purdue. They play nineteenth ranked Purdue this weekend. Let's see who Ohio State has played. Okay, they took okay. They beat twenty ranked Penn State on the thirtieth, thirty three to twenty four. They beat unranked Nebraska twenty six seventeen. They beat the crap out of Indiana. They beat the crap out of Maryland. Beat the crap out of Rutgers, uh, Akron, Tulsa. They beat Oregon by seven, and open up the season of forty-five. So I mean, you could, you could quibble about that. But again, this is a committee that's made itself notorious on stressing the emphasis of not losing games. And you know, when you look at when you look at OSU, and the game that they lost. Which was where they, they did not lose. They're undefeated. What the hell am I talking about? No, no, eight and one. What the? They're eight and one. They are undefeated within the conference. They're eight and one. You look at the game. You look at the game that they lost, which was the the Oregon game on the on the second game of the season. I mean, you you could split hairs, but if it was me, you know, 
which is one of the reasons. Which also, if this isn't a, is there, if this isn't a bona fide reason why they need to expand it to to eight or to eight or twelve, this is why. This is why because because you got because you got very good, uh, you got very good. Not fourteen, not sixteen, but eight or twelve would be fine. Oklahoma, Michigan State, Michigan, Cincinnati, Ohio State, Oregon, Alabama, Georgia. If you want to do eight, if you want to expand it to twelve, Notre Dame in the mix. You get stuff with nice little ratings, make the Notre Dame people feel good. You get a third SEC team in the mix with Texas A and M, a the only ACC team in the mix that is uh, Wake Forest, and then you have uh, Oklahoma State with the Big Twelve. So, so what I get the main the two main takeaways from this is that Michigan should not be ranked above Michigan State when Michigan State beat them head to head, and Michigan blew a lead. Regardless of what they did in the previous, regardless of what those two teams did in their own, in their own, in their own little separate games the following week after, especially when they both share the same record of eight and one, where you know if it was the NFL, if it, you know if it, it was if it was the NFL, or if you're looking at Big Ten division, the tiebreaker would go to Michigan State because they because because of the uh, they hold the tiebreaker head to head. And the fact that this college season, more than that, more than anyone that I can recall, shows that you need that shows that you need an expanded playoff, expanded from four to eight, because Cincinnati, because Cincinnati, Oklahoma, who are both undefeated at nine and zero, deserve a chance to play for a national championship. See if Michigan can finally show up for once in their lives, and Michigan State, who's had a good season, deserves to compete for one two. That's the takeaways I get from this college football playoff rankings that came out earlier this week but that's just me and that is another episode of the Amatelkatelius podcast in the books enjoy the college football and the NFL this weekend if your NBA uh, and high school or excuse me NHL team plays this weekend uh, you can check them out as well follow yours truly on Twitter and Instagram at the J Shield the show on Instagram at Amatella underscore podcast and the show on Twitter at, at Amatella underscore it is your boy Jai Shields I will talk to you next week y'all stay safe see you